You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. This week on Myopia Defend Your Childhood. Myopia Defend Your Childhood is so named because I believe we are short-sighted on the things we watched as kids. So every week we watch a movie that one of the panelists grew up watching and see if they hold up from comedy to cartoons or to action. And for this season, the last Thursday of each month, we're doing a TV show in our Myopia Morning segments. We watch Saturday morning cartoons and afternoon classics. So find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. How will you stand when we put your past on trial? Myofi Defender Childhood is a member of the ESO Network and produced by Dude Letter Podcasting. Hello and welcome again to the Monster Sci-Fi Show podcast. But before you ask, who am I? Why I am the monster! That's right, the monster won the mask singer competition for season one. I'm gonna be honest. I got suckered into this. I thought it was the most ridiculous idea and premise for a show, but I got sucked into this, and I watched the end, and who knew that T-Pain, sorry, spoilers, <laughs> is going to be the winner out of this, and beat out, spoilers, Donny Osmond coming in second, and Gladys Knight coming in third, who, honestly, after all these decades, she looked fantastic in that costume, so... But yeah, I I got really into it. Uh, not that it was great drama, but it's just enough of a hook to really kind of like see who is behind that performance in a mask. And of course, Joey Fat One, <laughs> who played the rabbit, was kind of suspected all along that that was him or Joey Fatone. Uh, so, you know... I, I give the show for giving exactly what it is, which is like a really no-brainer. You don't have to think. You can shut your mind off and just enjoy and go for the ride. This was that kind of show, and I was kind of happy for that. But it is getting picked up for season two, so not that I'm going to be talking about that, but let's put that on hold for a moment. Uh, the big three topics I will be focusing on today, I didn't, ha- I didn't have a whole lot of time to prep, only because since last weekend was my 200th episode, I was out of town, and still kind of getting back into the regular mindset of day-to-day stuff, I still have a lot of my play to work, so, and even today, as I'm recording this very late Sunday night, I just came out of work today, and I didn't get a chance to even do the podcast during my break, at work, so it's been really far behind, so I will talk about the Oscars, I will talk about the season one review of Titans that I finally got to do. And kind of like what I did last year with Mr. Gene, but it's just going to be me. I will be talking about the Orville and Star Trek Discovery, but the halfway point for season two. So I think that will be a really good 
one-sided conversation that I will be having with you. But nonetheless, I think you will have an enjoyable time with it. But, but, even though I was off for the past two days, the most exciting thing that happened to me was yesterday. Yesterday was Saturday. I was off on a Saturday. And I went out on Saturday night. Uh, I took my son to Miami Beach. And there's uh, a concert series at the New World Symphony in which they do something called a wall cast. And they project the concert on the outside of the concert hall. And it's open to the public. And it's a nicely um, open air place that you could just walk in and just sit down and have a grand time with this. So it's kind of like, almost like a movie theater. And you're waiting for the lights to go down. So... The idea was they were going to show Jurassic Park. Great. I would want to take my son to go see it anyway. But there was a special concert that happened to have John Williams. And for me, because 41 years ago, that 10-year-old boy got to meet his hero. And it's weird to say that a 10-year-old boy who grew up in the Bronx was blown away by music that was very much like nothing else I heard before. I was in my element. I was so ecstatic that not only did other composers play his music, but John Williams himself got to conduct his music for at least three pieces. It was E.T., Schindler's List, with Isaac Perlman uh, showing up as an unannounced guest, which I was like blown away. Him playing Schindler's List. The whole night was really magical, but hearing Schindler's List and and Isaac playing that violin just broke me. Um, But then John ends with the Imperial March, the the Empire. that March song that really ties Empire Strikes Back as being phenomenal. Hearing that music live and seeing the man conducting the music live is beyond words. So I am so happy that I was able to share this with my son, who is going to be 13 this year. And we had a great time. And, you know, it it, it meant a lot to me. And I, I will kid you not, I cried. It made me move to tears. It's rare that it happens, but because you never thought this would ever happen in your lifetime, and I may never, ever, ever get to see this man ever again in his lifetime or my lifetime, this was the closest that I would ever have gotten to him. So the stars were aligned. And I thank the universe for granting me that one gift this year. So, thank the maker. Wow. Amazing. All right. I got a lot of quick tidbit news because I wasn't expecting to go on this long. So, we have Umbrella Academy been renewed for season two. I have just barely started the season one. So, I'll get to that in a moment, but just not right now. 
Star Trek 3, Star Trek 3, Star Trek Discovery has been renewed for season 3. So thanks to Rocco who uh, posted that on Facebook. And I meant to mention also that the, the Mars rover that died on Mars, he posted a picture in which it's not the famous words like it, the light is getting low, my battery is getting low, and I'm about to go out. But it was something akin to um, all those moments will be lost like tears and rain. But kind of like using references about what's on Mars with the rover. And it blew me away. So thank you, Rocco, for posting that. I really love that so much. Um, we also have Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Not that I've been watching it, but someone did a Star Trek Deep Space Nine-Nine parody of all the characters in Star Trek Next Generation. Star Trek Deep Space Nine uniforms. You can see that picture on my Facebook page if you like. Really, really good. Uh, the other talk is that Suicide Squad is going to be number two by James Gunn. Start filming sometime in the fall and no Will Smith. Not that I was like, oh, no Will Smith? That can't happen. Yes, it can happen. <laughs> Considering he's doing Bad Boys 3 and please don't even get me started on Aladdin and that genie makeup. Please, we can do without Will Smith for Suicide Squad. That's fine. Uh, the other news, Remy Malek, who just won for Bohemian Rhapsody, which I'll talk about that in a moment, might be the new James Bond villain. I'm like, look, I'm not declining that Remy is not a good actor. I, I just think it's time to really, Daniel... Just take a seat. You got a baby. Chill. Let someone else play James Bond. Considering Spectre was not the greatest, I'm willing to see someone else take the lead. But, you know, this is what's going to happen. Supposedly. Um, the other big news is that if you did not see this Star Wars edit by Topher Grace, if you felt like Star Wars has lost its way... I implore you, go to my Facebook page, find the link for this beautiful edit that Topher Grace did of all 10 movies to give you the feels of what it's like to be a Star Wars fan again. So, I'm going to end the podcast on that, but a lot of emotions this week, and I'm kind of happy that it's. I'm going to start another week soon. But in any case, I'm going to take a quick break, and then when I come back, I'm going to start talking about the Oscars. Why should I listen to the Nerd Bliss Podcast? Because we go there. Where? Everywhere. Human sexuality. They don't care what's in your pants, they love you anyway. Time travelers. The problem is time will f*** back with you. Politics and fandom. What Star Wars has been prior to Disney. It is a white male-driven universe. Find us at nerdblisspodcast.com. And on social media at nerdblisspod. Part of this complete breakfast and the ESO Network. The, the Nerd Bliss, Bliss Podcast. Podcast. Listen! So let's begin the conversation about the Oscars. This is probably one of the rare times that I actually went purposely to watch the Oscars live all the way through. Now, because of the controversy of Kevin Hart, we wound up having no host and 
even before then, we had problems with the uh, Oscars, in which they wanted to have a new category called, you know, most popular film, which is kind of like throwing us a little bit of a crumb to have movies like Black Panther be nominated and get an Oscar. But he would never consider it to be the best picture for an Oscar. So when that was faced with a backlash, they got rid of the, the category altogether. And then lo and behold, when they nominated the movies for best picture, Black Panther's on there. Fancy that. But honestly, even going in, I knew like, no. As a movie buff, as a movie film major in college, like Black Panther has the right to win a lot of other technical awards, but as an overall best picture, no, this is not that. And again, talked about that in the days when I thought Indiana Jones had a shot, uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark had a shot back in 1981. No, that's not the case. So putting that aside, there was another bit of controversy before the, the show even aired in which they wanted to have three categories be given out while they went to commercial break. And they also face backlash again. So, you know, the people who attend and who vote, they felt like everyone's important and everyone should be awarded accordingly all as equals. So, you would think going into the Oscars that this is going to be a piece of crap. But believe it or not, it turned out to be probably one of the best Oscars that I've seen in a very long time. And I think it's a combination of, I've never, and I don't think I've seen in my lifetime, or at least remember it, I could be, you know, I'm old, uh, an Oscar without a host. It's, it seemed like if, and this is, I'm putting this in, in terms of, of, of um, sci-fi stuff here. If you have watched Blade Runner, when it originally came out, and you heard Deckard's voice, which is Harrison Ford, and how he has his whole monologue over the whole movie, and you've watched it all your life, when you hear the director's cut take out all of that, and then you watch the exact same movie, albeit some changes... You can still hear it, but it's like there's something missing. So it feels kind of weird to do that. So exactly what it felt like watching the Oscars. It just felt weird not having a main person to come out there and kind of tell some jokes at the very beginning and then, you know, bits throughout the whole thing. But it worked perfectly. Um, I, I just thought... Maybe that should be a thing now. Don't have any damn hoes. And let the creativity uh, come from that. Um, the other thing I think I, I felt that was better. And a couple of years ago was that the hashtag Oscar so white. This didn't feel like that. Because now that we have become more cognizant of the fact that there has to be representation. And how representation that you see on the screen, big and small, does matter. It's time that people are getting recognized for the contributions 
that they give to this industry. So one of the things that I know and have felt proud of was that Ruth Carter, who I knew, uh, not personally, but having been a Spike Lee fan since the very beginning, and I know that he worked with Ruth Carter, and the amount of work and the amount of movies that she has done, and considering how Black Panther was just truly stunning, visually, with all the costumes, the designs, the settings, everything about that movie is top-notch. So to see Ruth Carter finally getting an Oscar for her work, happy as can be. And then, of course, also one for cost, um, production design. So again, I can't complain so far because those are the areas that I like. I, if that's going to be a category that's uh, a given, that was theirs. And then, of course, the big moment that I thought they would win was going to be for soundtrack. So Black Panther also won for that. So there was nothing really there that I thought, no, we're good. Three is good. Three is better than what Suicide Squad got the year before or two years ago, in which it was just like, what, for hair and makeup? And even then, I didn't think Suicide Squad deserved it because it should have gone to Star Trek Beyond. But honestly, that's neither here or there. But, you know, for the DC fans, and I'm saying I am one of them, but I'm like, I was not necessarily saying, look, Marvel, we got an Oscar. You guys don't. And, of course, now Marvel says, look, DC, we got three and you got none. So I'm not going to leave it at that. But in this case, Marvel really does deserve to have those three Oscars. It is justified and rightly deserved. Uh, as far as anything else, I have not seen Bohemian Rhapsody. I have not seen Green Book. I have not seen uh, The Black Klansman, which I'm sure I will watch very soon. The big surprise that I thought that it was going to be a, a shoe-in was for Best Animated Movie. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, that was a given. It had to have won. It won the Golden Gloves. Not that it was a given that it was going to win an Oscar, but I'm like, no, screw everything else. Incredibles 2, like I said, had this movie come out maybe 11 years ago, I would have been crazy for it. I couldn't care too lot too, too things about it. <laughs> Try not to curse here. Uh, uh, as far as uh, Wreck-It Ralph, didn't get a chance to see that. Uh, you know, it, it's not that I didn't care to, it's just, it just wasn't something that I felt it was a priority. And when I see it, maybe I'll talk about it and see if that changes. But, definitely Spider-Man goes to the core about representation. The fact that you hear someone talking Spanish. How, in fact, you see someone who's not white playing Spider-Man. Or a woman playing Spider-Man. You know, telling their story is the core of what this movie was about. That once you read a certain, a certain level of your origin story, you get to be the, her the hero of your story. That was what is amazing about that. That it was no longer just this one teenage white boy telling one story. You open that universe to tell different types of stories different types of characters 
different genders. That's what matters. And if you don't like the fact that your Spider-Man was changed, well, you can still read your old Spider-Man comic books. So it's not a problem. But it has to change. And I'm glad the Oscars also did change because that's the other problem that it had is that it was always the white hero or the whiteness of everything that was the pure... No. Everything had to have changed. And for once, I was happy with everything that night. So, here's to hopefully better Oscars in the future. But this was a magical night for many, many reasons. Alright, so I'm going to take a quick break again. And then when I come back, I will be talking about Titans Season 1. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. That is by far my favorite because it's also character driven and the stakes are high and there's much more of a mystery and intrigue to it. A game like Wolfenstein, which people are saying are one of the most socially important video games of the past 10 years. Catch our shows on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on over 30 more podcast outlets, including our friends right here at the ESO Network. Now let's talk about the DC Universe TV series called Titans. If you know the comics, if you know the TV series like Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go, this Titans is nothing like the comics, and it's definitely not like the TV series at all. The only names that you have is characters are similar but they act a bit differently the ages are differently the costumes are a bit different the age is a bit different for a lot of the characters so okay so i can't really complain that the fact that this is not the teen titans that i grew up with back in the 70s or even the new teen titans back in the 80s or the revamped Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go in this century. But that's okay. i okay to not have certain things be that literal. I'm open to interpretations when you can explain why do you get all these different types of inconsistencies of not only the actors playing similar roles, but why their takes are different. Well, it's the multiverse, and I've talked about that before on DC. You can explain a lot of the differences, like the Batmans. Yeah, Michael Keaton as Batman to what we had with Ben Affleck as Batman. You can have all those different various changes of those characters, but still be enough for you to be drawn in to those characters and it's just a different type of story and a different type of direction and that's kind of cool i'm cool with that now because it's on the dc universe app you of course have to have a subscription to this so i was all gung-ho right from the very beginning now unfortunately because there are other things that i'm trying to do and other things that i'm trying to watch I did not get to binge this as much as Mr. Gene did. 
And when he did, and he got to the end, he was pretty happy and pretty decent with the way it turns out, especially the last episode. If you have not seen the last episode, I'm going to spoil it right now, so you can turn this off pretty much now, because everything from this point on is going to be kind of spoilers in details. So let's go right from the very beginning, in which we see Robin about to attack some bad guys. And they're like, wait, if Robin's here, where's Batman? And all looking around. And you can see that frustration in Robin's face. The fact that is, he's second fiddle. He's not going to be taken seriously. So when he delivers the type of justice, if you want to call it justice, but it's a severe beatdown. That is amazing. And then he says, you know, F Batman. That's incredible. And the only reason why I say that's incredible, because the whole problem throughout the whole season is that he is struggling with his own identity. He doesn't feel like he is Robin anymore. Because we do see Jason Todd who comes in and really becomes the douchebag that Jason Todd can be. Like, severely. Like, just when you thought, oh, this Jason Todd is not that bad. Until he starts attacking cops. Badly. And he really relishes it because when he's in Gotham, the cops beat on him. So this is payback. But I'm like, holy crap. This, and Batman picked you? No wonder you're a douche. No wonder people want you to be dead. Not that it's, I read the comics, uh, a family, a death in the family issue, the, the graphic novel. But I'm like, yeah, you should die. Especially for after you're done. But, my God. The the bloodlust that, that Jason, that Jason, that, well, Jason Todd does dealt with. But Dick Grayson really struggles throughout the whole episode. And then we get to the very last episode. This is where it gets really interesting. If you know Raven and from the comics, her dad is Trigon. By no means are we going to get this big horned demon with six eyes and horns and he's all red and all that. Uh, okay, so they have to scale it back. But... Um, the house that they were in, you know, Dick was trying to come back and trying to rescue them, and something happened. There was kind of like this alternate universe in which Batman kills. He kills the Joker. He went to Arkham Asylum and killed pretty much all the inmates. Why? Because Alfred is dead. Commissioner Gordon is dead. Barbara Gordon is missing. So there was no one to kind of rein in Batman. So Dick Grayson goes, tries to visit him. And once he sees that Joker's dead, oh wait, he's still alive. So they put him in the hospital and he tries to protect him. But then Batman goes to the hospital and kills him in the hospital. And it's fantastic. Not that it's fantastic that he's killing people, but it's fantastic because where is the story going? That's what's amazing. So Batman is in this grand standoff in the Batcave. And of course, Dick is there. And 
things are going down badly all around. But it's really to the point where it does, and 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 Dick Grayson comes in, and pretty much, you know, doesn't save Batman, who is has like this like one of uh, pieces of debris that's on his chest, but then he steps on it, pushes that down harder onto Batman's chest, and just says "F Batman" to end that Batman that's been hovering over him. That legacy is now over. So on this amazing one episode, we got to see the story arc of Robin being kind of like he dealt with that past. He has dealt with this thing that he's no longer worried. He's now free. But in doing so, under the influence of Trigon, he is now under kind of like this dark spell. So... It is scary, but oh my god, just watching that whole arc is amazing. All the characters are enjoyable to watch. Hawk and Dove and Donna Troy, I mean, there was just so much to talk about, and hopefully Gene and I can kind of ravel in, in this, but my god, this series is fantastic. And thank God I did not binge this all the way through, like in one or two sittings. I took my time with this. But having watched that last episode blows everything else away. But when you get up to that one episode, it's so rewarding to see that arc being played off and paid off in spades. So I'm happy with the way things are. I didn't think the costumes or the lack of costumes was going to be great, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the, the lack of the costumes and the color schemes and like, oh, that doesn't look like Starfire to me, but it's all right because I care about these characters and I care about the direction where they're going. And the last uh, post credit scene in, in the end of episode 10, we get possibly something new and it's going to, I think it's going to be Connor... Connor Kent, who is going to be the the Superboy, is coming in season two, and there's Crypto. I'm like, wow, <laughs> I can't wait to see more of Titans. So, thank God that was already before even the first episode was aired. It was like we're going ahead with season two. If you get to episode ten, you will be rewarded if you make it all that far. That is part of the best episode I've seen for that show. And probably one of the best moments that I can be so blown away by within one hour of storytelling. It is fantastic. So, on that note, I'm going to take another break. I'm going to come back and talk about Orville and Star Trek Discovery Season 2. Greetings, Starfighters. It's Sean from the Rusted Robot Podcast. Join me and the Rusty crew as we break down the latest geeky movie trailers, talk about TV, comics, toys, games, casting news, and all things nerdy. Find us on all your favorite podcast apps, the ESO Network, and at therustedrobot.podbean.com. The Rusted Robot Podcast, your source for geek since 2014. The Rusted Robot Podcast. Think about it. 
All right, so finally we are at the last point here in which I'm going to be talking about the season two season for the Orville as well as for Star Trek Discovery. Now, it is no secret how much I grew to despise Star Trek Discovery, especially season one, but I overcame a lot of objections that I have about that show. The the, the technology, to the Klingons, to the Mirror Mirror Universe, to the pacing of the show, a lot of things did not sit well with me. Whereas the Orville was pretty much a Star Trek-ish version that just happens to have a lot more um, comedy, more humor in it than a normal Star Trek episode would have. But when I compare about, you know, what felt more like Star Trek, it wasn't even Star Trek Discovery because it didn't have that sense of adventure. Although it did have adventures, it just I just didn't think it worked. Now, both shows going into season two, and both shows happen to be on Thursday nights, have shown improvements. Discovery has a phenomenal captain with Captain Pike. Love the guy. We're getting a little bit more viewers, um, viewership of the other characters that are on the bridge. We're getting better stories um, with this whole puzzle about the Red Angels and where Spock and with this last episode, which I wasn't crazy about, but it ends with, we're going to Talos 4. And what Talos 4 is all about, go back to the Cage episode. We're going to see those aliens again. And the preview of those aliens and the the, uh, the updated look of those aliens Looks fantastic. So, a little excited about that. But, what has made me even more appreciative of the Orville is that the problem that I had with the Orville from last year was that the humor was kind of like, you put it in here, it's a little bit forced, sometimes a little too inappropriate. But, this year they focus on one episode per character and made that be the the main story and if there's a B story that's kind of minor and not too bad but they focus on a character story I think that is probably one of the reasons why season two for the Orville is exactly what that show needed And if you have not caught up or have not been watching season two, you really need to watch this season in its entirety. The episode is, this is going to be a a spoiler, so again, if you have not watched it, sorry, but I will be talking about the latest episode, which is a two-parter episode called Identity, in which Isaac, and from episode one, basically... He shuts down and they are forced to take him back to his home world. And that's when it has been revealed 
that Isaac was there basically to report on humanity. Not so much about, like, should we or should we not join the Union, but, you know, what are their weaknesses or things of that nature, because they basically were going to eliminate all biological forms of life. So, in the two-core story, we hear the the backstory of Isaac's people and how they were subject to basically slavery and would give them pain inducers in case they didn't act accordingly. Kind of like, you know, the mental whipping effect uh, of being treated a certain way. So they wiped out their makers. So I'm like, wow, you got to do something that... (laughs) Battlestar Galactica failed to do in which, sure, the Cylons have a plan, but, you know, these guys, they knew what they were doing. They got it done, you know. But, what turned out to be great about the second part of this episode was, and I've seen this plenty of times, a huge space battle. But I'm talking about a space battle that is so beautiful to watch. So amazing to be wowed for. I mean, we're talking about like you saved up all your pennies for this one episode and you just like give it all out there. Oh my God. Discovery has a huge budget per episode. Orville does not. But what the Orville did was actually sometimes even better than what I've seen with Discovery. Because everything is super glossy. A little too CGI. A little too uh, flashy. Sometimes I want to see ships firing. And I want to see a wide shot. I hate when editing is done to give the the sense of movement or of quickness or action and you don't appreciate the magnitude of what is going to happen on a wider sense. Kind of like when you have dancing. When you have someone who's dancing, you don't do close-ups of their face and arms and maybe occasional their feet. No, you give a wide shot. You want to see them perform. That's what happened with the Orville. You got to see these battles in which camera was just staying on itself. Stuff was unfolding and the edits were slower. So you got to see things happen in front of you. We're just like, I was simply blown away by this. So, I'm not saying that Discovery 2, Discovery Season 2 is worse. It's better than Season 1. And yes, there are some issues in which I'll talk about that in a future uh, time about Section 31. Why is that a thing that everyone knows? I'm not going to get into that because I don't have the time to get that mad and that ramped up. I put that aside. But overall, the problem that I think that I have with Discovery in general is what the Orville has been doing right. Give those other characters something to do other than react to what what's happening something's growing my screen cut to my reaction no 
every show for Star Trek, you knew the crew on that bridge. You knew the people on DS9, on Voyager, Enterprise. Even if they didn't get to do much of anything else, you knew who they were. I still don't know who these people are on the bridge. There's Saru, there's Tilly, there's Stamets, there's Michael Burnham, and now there's Pike. That's all there is. Everyone else who's kind of like second fiddle, it's really second fiddle, and it shouldn't be that way. They need to invest in those people to round out the whole cast. And I think that's the problem why I'm having issues with Discovery. I don't care about the lead that much. Hence why when you go to other characters, they have to kind of carry that show on their shoulders. With Orville, it's not about Seth... uh, uh, I was going to say Seth Rogen. (laughs) It's not about Seth MacFarlane carrying the whole show. He's smart enough to know that Let's focus on these other characters to add to the show so that now that we establish what these characters are, you're going to be investing future shows, future episodes, in which you're going to have better interactions with the whole entire cast. That's the major difference. So I'm not bashing the Star Trek Discovery because it's still it's been renewed for season three, and I hope season two will happen. I mean, season three will happen for the Oracle. I hope it will. But... If you want to have really good drama and better timed humor, especially in this last episode with the the, uh, identity, the two-part one, it is better than Star Trek Discovery. So, that's just my opinion because it's sci-fi from a certain point of view. So, again, your points may differ and that's okay, but I'm just giving you my opinion. All right, so that's going to be the end of my show. So remember, you can always email me at monstersci-fi-show at gmail.com. Follow me on the various social networks. Again, look on my Facebook page for that Star Trek D Space 99 uh, for the Brooklyn Nine-Nine cast and Star Trek uniforms. You will love it. So on that note, thank you for listening to me and to the Monster Sci-Fi Show podcast. It's sci-fi from a certain point of view. Good night. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.